Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Milkman of St. Gaff's, the radio part two. This is a serialized podcast, so please don't start with this episode. Before we begin, I'd like to give some shout-outs to new patrons. In the White Badge Milkman category, we have Gentana Chu, Jacob Stewart, Nikki, Cole Weaver, whose name some of you might recognize. Mr. F is a new apprentice. As for new fly sprayers, we have Lolly, Introverted Pumpkin, Ashley Fisher, and Jesse Grace. In the promotions department, Eric S. has been promoted from apprentice to fly sprayer. Good work, Eric. Thank you all so much for your support. I've revamped the Patreon page at patreon.com slash howiemilkman. There's new merch and perks, and of course, the patron-only podcast. 
There's also a new Discord server and a newsletter. When you sign up, you can get a link to a playlist of the soundtrack to The Milkman of St. Gaffs. To find out more about all of that, go to HowieMilkman.com. It's time for The Milkman of St. Gaffs, starring Howie the Milkman. The night fell hard, like a heavy boot stomping on all of my dreams. We stood there, on the roof, as the stars came out and cast their dull red light on the town. All we heard from the radio was static. I turned all the dials, thinking maybe they'd printed the wrong radio numbers in the magazine, but it was all in vain. Wait, is that it? Stormy asked. But it was just some gibberish. That's really weird, she said. Howie, come on, it's not the end of the world. They're only going to play it once. Now we won't know what happened. Oh, someone heard, they'll tell us. It's not the same. I wanted to hear her voice. Stormy took my hand. You can hear my voice. I liked what we were doing before. Nothing could really ease the pain in my heart after waiting so long and working so hard to listen to Eliza Pike on the radio. But with the cool sea air blowing over us and stormy warm against me and her warm kisses, I felt like, for a moment at least, I could forget. She pulled me by the hand back toward the ladder and we went back down towards my room. But then there was Mrs. Summertag in the hallway. She seemed to be lurking there in wait for us. You know I don't like you going up to the roof, Howie. Oh, sorry, missus, I guess I forgot. Well, we're just going to head in, so good night. Tut, tut, Howie, I'm afraid we're going to have to establish new rules in the house. My sister told me she was very disturbed by all the noises earlier, all that smooching, and she was trying to get some sleep. You know she doesn't sleep so good sometimes. You mean I can't have people over in my room? You know, Howie, this isn't a bordello or some sort of scandalous hotel. It's a respectable boarding house building, and you two aren't married at all, so it's really not an appropriate thing to be going on here. It was pretty annoying that I'd have to sneak Stormy into my room from now on, but there wasn't much we could do about it tonight. So I just decided to walk her home. It wasn't so late, but no one was around since everyone in this town seemed to go to bed really early. Stormy put my arm around her waist and we walked really close together. It was a bit of a brisk night and it was exciting to be out downtown with no one around and feeling her against me. When we got close to the church, she stopped and turned me around to face her. We kissed one of our long kisses. Have you made out with anyone in a churchyard before? She asked. I didn't want to tell her I'd never really made out with anyone other than her anywhere before. But before I could say anything, we heard a woman scream, and the old familiar snarling I'd heard a couple of nights ago. Up the sidewalk, we saw Mrs. Noseworthy running towards us, and a wolf was chasing her. It was one of those weird, slightly wispy blue wolves, and just like that, before we could do anything, it had her leg in its jaws. Stormy ran over and tried to kick the thing, 
I was really impressed at how courageous she was and once again counted my lucky stars at how lucky I was to be with such a woman. Don't stand there, Howie. But her kicks didn't seem to do anything. It was strange. But then, with all the commotion, and I guess since he was expecting her anyways, Father Whelan came out of the church with a lantern and the wolf ran off. Maybe it was startled by the noise, or maybe it didn't like Father Whelan because he was such a holy man. My God, my leg, Mrs. Noseworthy shouted. She sat down on a bench in the churchyard and lifted up her skirts, and there were bloody bite marks and scratches all over her leg. Should we get Dr. Barrett? Stormy asked. No, no, don't bother, I'll be fine. You're really bleeding, better safe than sorry. We'll go wake the doctor. But then we all stopped. There was growling all around us. It sounded like the wolf went to get the rest of the pack. Come on, hurry, you kids better come inside. Father Whelan helped Mrs. Noseworthy up and she limped towards the door. Well, come on, you can't stay out here. What should we do? Stormy asked. I think we'll be fine, I'll walk you home. But then the growling got louder. Look, Stormy whispered. Shadows were moving in the dark. We saw the glint of glowing eyes. We ran inside and Father Whelan closed and bolted the door. I've never seen anything like it. Wolves right in the town. Mrs. Noseworthy put her leg up on a pew. Father Whelan went into the back office and came back with some old shirts or cloths and a bottle of water. Stormy helped clean up Mrs. Noseworthy's leg and Father Whelan tied a shirt above the bites. There was blood all over the floor. You'll never get that out, Mrs. Noseworthy said. Oh, Oscar's got a knack for things like that, but what were those things? They did not seem like any wolves I've ever heard of. I saw them before. Thursday, there were a bunch of them chasing Mrs. Pyman and me. It was awful. What? And you didn't tell anyone. Is she okay? Well, I wasn't sure if... I think she's okay, yes. When I first heard them, I thought they were coming from the hills on the edge of town. And then they seemed to come down into the town. Outside, we could hear them, howling. The hills. Gordon Goss told me something strange was going on in the hills. Said there was a strange darkness on the edge of town where he lives. I didn't know what he was talking about. I looked up at the whale bones. It was amazing how they glowed night and day. It was really eerie, though, to be trapped in the church with its dull green light and with the sound of the wolves outside. Looks like we're all stuck in here tonight, Whelan said. I've got an extra bed in my quarters in the back. Mrs. Noseworthy can take that. But I'm afraid you kids will have to make do out here. I think I've got an extra couple of blankets. Mrs. Noseworthy hobbled back with Father Whelan, and he came back a few minutes later with a couple of crimson wool blankets. These might be a bit scratchy, but it's all I've got. You'll each have to take a pew. I'll see you in the morning. And off he went. We made a show of setting out our blankets on different pews, but a couple of minutes after he was gone, I went right over to Stormy and her inviting arms. The pew wasn't really big enough, so I laid down a blanket in the aisle on the wood floor. I took off my shirt and rolled it up for a pillow. The blankets were indeed scratchy, but we didn't care. There was something really exciting about being in here with the wolves howling outside. I took off her shirt, and right away I got the bra off. 
She was looking at me with this real intensity, right in my eyes, and she looked so good, her smooth skin in the dim green light. I ran my face down her neck and across her chest, breathing her in, then came back up and pushed into all that thick black hair. She smelled so good I could have devoured her. Do you think they'll hear us? She whispered. I bet they're wondering the same thing, I said and we both laughed. My hands were all over her, and then she pushed my hand down. I was trembling a bit. Her breathing was heavy and she was looking into my eyes with that piercing look. I could feel her, hot and wet. She slowly nodded. I undid the button on her pants. And I'm sorry to say that I can't tell you about what happened next. You'll have to use your imagination. But it was really amazing. My very first time. It was like those hungry wolves outside were giving us a serenade. I slept one of the best sleeps of my life that night. It was cool in the church, but we kept each other warm. Early in the morning, Father Whelan came in. He made a lot of noise he didn't have to make, and I figured he had some inkling of what was going on and wanted to warn us of his arrival. We were dressed at least, and I sort of rolled away so that when I got up it looked like I was a couple feet away from Stormy. We didn't hear the wolves anymore. "'How's Mrs. Noseworthy?' Stormy asked. "'Oh, she's fine, still sleeping. We'll have to go get the doctor to clean up the wound, but I think we did a good job of it.' "'Listen, Howie, I think those wolves are gone. Could you go over to Mrs. Noseworthy's house? Mr. Noseworthy must be worried sick.' "'And I'd better let my dad know we're okay,' Stormy said. Stormy and I opened the door and walked out into the fresh morning air. "'Your hair is a mess,' I said. "'And whose fault is that?' she laughed. I ran my hand through the tangles. "'Careful, there's people about,' she said. We were both smiling like idiots in the morning sun, until we came to where she had to go to her house and I had to go to Mr. Noseworthy's. "'See you in church?' I asked. "'Of course,' and she winked. As I walked down the sidewalk, I felt like a million Ruperts. Well, I told myself, now you really are a man, and I kept going over it again and again in my mind. I knocked on the door of the Noseworthy residence, and right away, there was Mr. Noseworthy, a look of profound confusion on his face. I was still grinning ear to ear, but then remembered that this was serious business. Your wife's okay, don't worry. She had to spend the night at the church because we all got attacked by wolves and she was bitten, but she's okay, we just couldn't leave. What? he said. He threw on his hat and jacket. I guess he was really distraught because I had to explain the whole thing to him a couple of times. When we got to the church, Mr. Noseworthy shook Father Whelan's hand with vigor. Thank you so much for taking care of my wife. Oh, don't mention it. By 11, when it was time for service, the church was packed. Everyone either heard the wolves or they'd heard about them. Even Mr. Corwin was there. He and Beaver and Frank all stood at the back. I was sitting on a pew in the middle close to, well, you know. And when Stormy and Mr. Greenwood came in, I waved them over. I saved a spot for us. Stormy gave me a sly smile. McMurdle was with his parents a few rows up. He had no idea what had happened between Stormy and me. 
When I looked back, I saw that Travis and Naomi were there, which didn't happen all the time. Father Whelan came out. He went through the prayers pretty quickly, and he also gave a pretty short reading from the book. And now I'd like to speak to you about a serious matter. A darkness has come over the town of St. Gaff's, a darkness that lives on the edge of town, in the hills that surround us. Many of us heard the howling of wolves last night. I myself confronted one of these beasts last night, right outside this very church. It attacked our very own Mrs. Noseworthy and wounded her before I fought it off. We do not know where these wolves came from. I have heard the same rumors you have, but in the end their provenance is irrelevant. The path forward is clear. This evening, all of the men will gather out by Gordon Goss's place. Arm yourselves with rifles if you've got them, machetes, pitchforks, whatever you can lay your hands on. Bring torches and lanterns. We will drive these things out tonight before anyone else is hurt. No. Everyone turned to see Travis standing in the back row. These creatures cannot be defeated through ordinary means. They are a portent of something far worse that is about to befall this town. Travis, settle down. They're just dogs. They are not just dogs. Can't you see what's happening here? The holes, the cracks in the ground, the wolves... These are all warnings. Something in our midst is drawing these things to us. You can't just wade into the blackness in the hills. Men will be lost. We must drive out the cause of these things. I won't name it here, but many of us know what that cause is. Confronting these beasts directly is a fool's game. Then Mr. Noseworthy stood up. Those wolves attacked my wife. Who's going to be next, a child? If it weren't for Father Whelan, who knows what would have happened to my wife? We go tonight and we kill these things. Mr. Noseworthy's right. We have no choice but to hunt these things down and kill them. As I said, we meet at sundown, armed and ready, just the men, of course. Whelan kept talking and making plans, but Travis and Naomi got up and walked out while he was talking. Outside the church, I was walking with Stormy and her dad when I heard Corwin. Milkmen, to me! I told Stormy and her dad I'd catch up and went over to where the milkmen were huddled. I want to see each and every one of you in those hills tonight, armed. I suspect that these wolves have something to do with our deeper purpose here. After that, on my way to the Greenwood place, I was wondering how I would arm myself. I was imagining blowing the wolves away with a big rifle when Travis stopped me. Guess he'd been following me. Naomi wasn't with him. I'm not sure what's going on with you and the milkmen, but I think we both know who's responsible for these wolves being here and for all of the other occurrences around this town. I didn't say anything. I know you've been going underground. You've got to stop it, no matter what the milkmen tell you. If you keep going down there, you're going to go mad, or worse, and you're risking the whole town. Okay, Travis, I won't go down there anymore. He looked at me uncertainly. Whatever they want you to do down there, it's not worth it. They don't know what they're dealing with. Then he looked sort of wistfully up in the air. In church they say prayers, but the gods, they're not what most think they are. Then he looked hard at me again. Just stay out. Quit if you have to and find some other work, but you must stop going underground. Okay, I'll definitely stop going down there. 
But then I saw, a block away, Beaver standing on the corner and watching me and Travis. But now I've got to go. Bye, Travis. Later I was at the Greenwood's place. Mr. Greenwood was tinkering with his breathing machine. I'm sorry that the radio didn't work out, Howie. I had a suspicion that it would not be able to pick up commercial radio from Ming's Bite. It's a military radio, after all, and it's meant to pick up shortwaves, not amplitude-modulated signals. On the other hand, I think I've come up with a new application for this device. I'm thinking of calling it the Greenwood Underwater Breathing Apparatus. That's great, Mr. Greenwood. The rest of the afternoon I spent with Stormy in the backyard, with tea and biscuits and lots of sly hints and jokes and smiles. We were really happy. And before it was time for me to go join the milkmen in the hills, Mr. Greenwood presented me with an antique blunderbuss. It was a really old gun, like a rifle, but the barrel was flared at the end, sort of like a trumpet. He showed me how to load it with shot, but it seemed pretty complicated. My grandfather bought it home from the last war but one. I kept it in good working order. He wasn't going to go hunting for the wolves, since he was still trying to keep a low profile. But I felt pretty good gathering with all the other men in Goss's yard. I carried my gun with the barrel pointed down, since I knew that's the way you're supposed to do it, in case it goes off by accident. The sun was just getting ready to set, The trees with leaves had lost a bunch of their leaves, but a lot of the trees were pine, not like the pines you'd see in a park in the city. These were all sort of windswept and had grayish moss all over them, but in the woods, it looked really dark. Everyone was there, Granard, Mr. Noseworthy, lots of the men on my route. Father Whelan had a big torch and a silver pistol. Most of the milkmen had pitchforks. I guess they'd borrowed them from some farmer. Corwin had a belt with two pistols in it, but I felt pretty good with my ornate, large-caliber weapon, until I saw McMurdle wander up the road with a brand new Huntington semi-automatic rifle. Obviously, they sold those things in his parents' store, but it still made my blood boil to see the idiot with such a nice gun. Travis was there, too, but he just had a lantern like a lot of the others and no weapon. He stood sort of apart from everyone with a worried look on his face. For everyone else, there was an excited atmosphere. I guess this was an interesting break from the humdrum, everyday lies most of them led, and being about to go out hunting was a lot of fun for them in a way. Then Whelan cried out the instructions. His voice felt small in the outdoors. We'll form a line, every man, a few feet from the next. If you see anything, just cry, wolf. Let's flush these monsters out for good. So we all got in line, and quietly, we started up into the hills. McMurdle was on one side of me and Frank on the other. You sure you know how to use that thing, bud? Sure I do. It was quite a sight to see all those men, farmers, townsfolk, and milkmen with their lanterns and torches stretched out across the sparse forest at the base of the hill. As soon as the trees got thicker, things became a bit strange. As we entered the darkness, it's like the lanterns and torches just couldn't shed their light very far. Like the light was fighting with the darkness or sucking it up somehow. One by one, the torches and lights in the distance went out, and it started to get harder and harder to see the ground or the man next to me. But we could hear owls starting to hoot, and before long, we heard the wolves again too. 
There were shapes darting in and out of the darkness. I couldn't tell if they were wolves or something else. Some were black and some seemed to be some sort of deep dark blue. But the colors were strange, like they were negative colors somehow. Some of them just hovered in the air like dim candles that gave off no light, hanging in the boughs of the trees. I somehow sensed that there were deep, deep holes in the ground, and that at any moment I might fall into one, and I felt off balance all the time. And then, just ahead, there was a wolf. I tried to call out, but the fog of blackness seemed to get into my mouth, and I could hardly make a sound. I raised up my gun, but forgot what to do. I'd lost sight of McMurdle a while ago, but Frank was still beside me. I could see that he was trying to call out too, but couldn't. But he came over and grabbed the gun out of my hand and fired it. It was all happening slower than was natural, and the gunshot didn't make much noise. And the wolf didn't run away either, it just growled and ran towards us. My feet felt like they were in the mud, and I got separated from Frank, who still had my gun. I ran off and I ran, but I didn't see anyone around me. And I guessed I must have been going in the wrong direction. I found a lantern giving off hardly any light sitting at the foot of a pine tree that stretched up beyond where I could see. I picked up the lantern, but it didn't make a lot of difference. The darkness was nearly complete. I couldn't see any more wolves, but I heard them all around me. And then I tripped and must have slid down into a hole, because the next thing I knew, I was in what must have been an underground cave. My lantern was giving off a bit more light down here. It was just drippy rock walls like a long corridor. I heard strange animal noises. They were scary and I was pretty scared myself. I thought I heard some snickering and then, right in front of me, there was a spooked looking young cow. I got close and tried to calm it down. It was black and white with a strange red streak on its face. Hey buddy, how'd you get down here? It didn't seem to be afraid of me, and when I walked off it followed me. It occurred to me that this might be a cow that could give us the phlogisterian we needed for the thermalizer, and I decided to see if I could bring it back up with me to the surface. Maybe I hadn't shot any wolves, but to Corwin, this would be even more important. As luck would have it, the tunnel was slanting up, After a while, the cave ended in a strange room with a bunch of old mining equipment and a doorway. I didn't know if I was having an episode, or if this is just the way things were, but I walked through the doorway, and I was on the edge of the woods in the moonlight. I went back in and discovered that the door was too small for the cow, but not by too much. I set down my lantern and picked up an old shovel that was on the ground. I hit the sides of the doorway until the wooden frame broke away. Bits of rock were crumbling down. The earth trembled a bit. After a while, I'd widened the doorway a few inches and I was able to coax the cow outside. There was no one around and the darkness wasn't so inky in here. But then I heard Travis calling, Howie! Howie! The last thing I needed was for him to see me with a cow I'd brought up from underground. I ran back into the mining room and got some old rope. I did my best to tie up the cow to a tree and then ran towards Travis's voice, which was getting closer and closer. Travis, I'm here. How are you always where you're not supposed to be? What? I saw you run off with the wolves after you. 
A lot of the men are back from the hunt, empty-handed, of course. I wanted to make sure you didn't get too lost. Thanks, Travis. Here, let's go this way. Why? Isn't this the way back to town? Yes, Goss's place is just over this hill. It was just normal moonlight now, but I made a mental note of where I'd tied the cow up. Luckily, it was a quiet animal. I don't want you going into these woods anymore, Howie. I'll take care of this problem myself, understand? Sure. Eventually, we came to where the rest of the men were. They all seemed a bit cowed since no one had gotten a wolf, and I think everyone was a bit nervous to admit all the strange things they'd seen in the woods. Some men were still out there. Corwin came up to me. Did you see McMurdle out there? No, I didn't. It's too dark to go looking for him now. If he's not back by morning, I'll send Frank and Beaver. You may have to pull a double shift tomorrow if he's not back. And without a lot more being said by anyone, we all dispersed and headed back into town. I got a few hours of sleep. I decided the cow would probably be fine until after my shift, and there was no way I could be late if I had to do McMurdle's route in addition to mine. So I threw on my uniform, knowing this was going to be a big day for me. I was just getting into my truck when I heard Frank yell out, Hey everyone, look! All the milkmen came out into the street, and Corwin came out of his office to see a ragged and disheveled McMurdle walking down the street with my cow with the unmistakable red mark on its face. He was pulling it by the rope I'd used to tie it up. I found this underground, he said, and I could have killed him. Corwin walked to the cow and looked at the marking. I could see him trying to restrain the joy he was feeling. This is excellent work, McMurdle. This is exactly what we've been looking for. I knew you had it in you. There's a promotion in this for you. The peckerhead was beaming from ear to ear. But it's my cow! I couldn't resist. Corwin just gave me a baleful look. Coxwell, aren't you going to be late for your rounds? Albert's going to need to take the rest of the day off. You'll be doing his rounds too. I made my deliveries, slamming down the milk bottles and ignoring all the chumps and downer and outers around me in the lousy part of town. I was stewing and simmering with thoughts of revenge. What could I do? After everything I'd tried, now Corwin was going to be able to get the thermalizer working because he'd have a constant supply of phlogisterian supplied by a cow McMurdle had supposedly found. And just when everything seemed to be going my way, I was desperate to think of some way that I could pull myself up out of my imminent obscurity. After all the deliveries, I was still mad as hell. I went home and came face to face with that stupid radio that had let me down in my hour of need. I picked this stupid thing up, and even though it was pretty heavy, I dragged it all the way across town to Stormy's house. I was all sweaty because it was hard work. I knocked on the door and Stormy answered. Howie, what's wrong? How is the hunt? Why do you have the radio? I didn't even know where to start. I just barged in and carried the radio to Mr. Greenwood's workshop. He was in there, still fiddling with the tubes of his Greenwood breathing machine, I just slammed the radio down on a shelf and tried to compose myself. Here, I can't use it. Maybe you can find a way to make the range extra long so we can hear something on it. Oh, maybe, Howie, I can try, but I'm not sure if... But I'd already stormed off. Howie, Howie, what's the matter? But I was still shaking with rage. I'll be back in a bit. I have to go to the milk station. 
I banged on Corwin's door. What is it, Coxwell? I found it. I don't want to hear about... I've got incontrovertible evidence that Greenwood is a subversive. He's got a contraband military radio in his workshop, and it's dialed in to receive secret messages like the one I used to send. Corwin's eyes nearly popped out of his head. He slammed his fists against the wall. Got him. This is going to go down as one of the best days in the history of the department. Come with me, we're getting Inspector Piercy, and you're going to show him where this radio is. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.